so much. It's such a joy for us to know you as a family. Um, great to you, the, you and the leadership. I'm really deeply honored and privileged to be here this morning. And brothers and sisters, I want you to know I don't take these meetings lightly. I, I really sense God has an appointment with His church in a season like this. And we cannot miss the opportunity. I'm a firm believer that if God wants to do something extraordinary, He creates extraordinary seasons. And let's be honest, let's be honest, I think no, no matter how old you are, Helen's mom is 94 years old and I don't think she's ever experienced what we experienced in the past two years. So no matter what age you are, I think we live in a season that God is creating extraordinary times for extraordinary reasons. Uh, uh, friends, just think about it. I think the past two years, I think you think I'm going to talk about COVID or Ukraine. But let's start with some other seasons that we're facing. In, if you look at Afghanistan, what's happening at the moment, we're finding another Arab Spring just in Central Asia where God has prepared the church in China for a season like this, the only country that has access to Afghanistan and a church that has gone through more than a century of persecution is now ready to take the gospel to Afghanistan. Amazing. Amazing what God is doing. If we look at world wars and civil wars and nation against nation, Yemen springs to mind, the forgotten war. Nobody talks about Yemen anymore. We look at Syria. We've been in Syria two years ago. And friends, I want to tell you what God is doing in Syria, man cannot comprehend. Churches are overflowing. The one church said to us, please, can you just provide a television screen so we can put it on the outside of our church because we do not have enough space in our churches anymore. People are seeking peace. People are seeking hope. 11 years of hopelessness. Where do we go to? We live in an amazing season. We see floods. We see hurricanes. We see fires. Look at KZN, what happened there. Friends, we live in an amazing season. If we look at Ukraine today, and we see what's happening in a nation that three months ago was not on anybody's radar. And we see at the moment more than 5 million plus refugees in two months, adding to the 87.4 million refugees globally. We're looking at about 15 million people that will be homeless by the end of this month. Friends, how do we as Christians understand and identify the seasons that we live in? It's easy, you know, to sort of close our eyes and say, well, it doesn't really concern me. It'll influence the fuel price and the bread price, but that's about it. Nuclear war, thank God we're on the end of Africa. It's not really going to affect us that much. It will. It will. Because, friends, we need to realign how we look at the world. And I pray with all my heart this is something the Lord will come and do in our hearts anew this morning. Two years ago in Syria, 10 past 3 in the, in the morning, the bombs started falling. And friends, I want to tell you, it's one thing to talk about Ukraine when you've never felt an explosion next to you. But as we, Helen was with me, and as we were sleeping in our room, 10 past 3 in the morning, the bombs started falling. It was Israel attacking military um, 
um, property there in Damascus. The building started shaking. We saw the missiles coming over. And I can promise you that's the moment you go on your knees and you say, Lord, protect us. Keep us safe, Lord. The bombs kept on falling. I, I can honestly tell you that it's one of the most scariest things that we've experienced in all our years of ministry. Eventually, we fell asleep again. The bombs started stopping. And the next morning early, obviously, when we, get to, when we got together as teams, everybody started talking about the attack. And my colleague who traveled with us was sleeping in a room with a Syrian. And he said when the first bomb fell, his only prayer as he woke up was, Lord, protect those who do not know you. Don't let anybody die, Lord, who has not come to an understanding of your grace and love yet. And friends, I realized I need to realign my purpose in life. It's not wrong praying for yourself and your own protection, but that was not my first priority. We need to realign where we are in the season of death, in the season of uncertainty, where people are seeking answers. And we have the answer. And in understanding this whole realignment, I started writing the book, Anamorphic Christianity. And I'm sure most of you sitting here this morning, probably like myself a few months ago, had no idea what anamorphic means. Anna means again, and morph is a form. So we need to reform how we look at the world. We need to realign what we see in the world. I don't know how many of you have been to the Nelson Mandela um, capture site in Howick, where you get 50 poles standing positioned next to one another. If you drive past, it looks like 50 poles. It looks chaotic. But when you drive in and you walk down and you go and stand on one specific spot, the poles sort of realign behind one another and you see the perfect face of Nelson Mandela. That's anamorphic art. That's an anamorphic sculpture. And as Christians, we need to start realigning global events so that you can see God's kingdom. God is dealing with us in a season where we exist to be light. Friends, light look at its best when it's dark. Light is not scared of darkness. We embrace seasons where other people fear because we have answers and we have solutions. I want to share briefly with you this morning, brothers and sisters, Something that the Lord has really laid on my heart for this season that we live in. And I want to place global events in the context of God's own words through His Son, Jesus Christ. What we see in the world today need in one way or another stir something in your heart for your reason of existence as a Christian. And I started going through Scripture again and I looked at the words of Jesus and five times in Scripture, Jesus uses the words, I must. These are the non-negotiables of Christ. I must. And those five words will give us our vision. It will give us our vocation. It will give us our location. It will give us our mission. And it will give us our passion. And as we look at what's happening in the world, whether it be Ukraine or Russia, 
whether it be COVID-19, whether it be what's happening, friends, China is at the point of attacking Taiwan. That's going to bring a whole new dimension to where we sit here today. If we look at the next virus and we look at the technological virus, that's going to change the world we live in. We are facing seasons that we need to be proactively prepared to embrace. This is what Christianity is all about. So I'd like to share with you this morning the five I musts of Jesus. Number one, the one, the first I must is the first recorded spoken words of Jesus. In Luke 2 verse 49, Jesus said, and he said unto them, standing in the synagogue, he said, how is that that you sought me? This is after his parents started going back and realized Jesus wasn't with them and they returned back and they found Jesus and they said, where have you been? And Jesus said, how is it that you looked after me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Friends, the first must for any believer in the season that we live in, if we contemplate missions and we understand the world that we need to be lighting, is that we must be about our father's business. This is why we exist. We don't exist for our own glory and our purposes. We don't exist for our own organizations. We exist for our Father's business. And what is the Father's business? The Father's business is redemption. This is what it's all about. I think we've lost the plot, friends. I listen to Christians talk, and they talk more about masks and vaccines and about protecting our religious freedom, then they talk about the kingdom of God. I listen to Christians fighting for their faith, and nowhere in Scripture, in scripture are we encouraged to fight for our faith. We are encouraged to live our faith. Friends, I am more concerned about losing my witness and keeping my freedom than I am about keeping my freedom and losing my witness. And I just sense in this season, so many people have pointed to the Antichrist instead of pointing to God. So many people have pointed to the mark of the beast than pointing to the kingdom of God. Don't lose the plot. We exist as Christians for our Father's business. 1 Timothy 2 verse 4 to 6. God wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. 2 Peter 3 verse 9, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish. And then Luke 19 verse 10, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. God's business is redemption. We exist for that business. That's our business. When COVID strikes, our business is redemption. When Ukraine and Russia get involved in a war, let's, net, let's not get involved in the war talk. Let's talk peace. Let's talk redemption. Friends, I really want to emphasize this. When, when Syria became involved in this war, and we saw a proxy war of 36 nations engaging in Syria, including ISIS and America and the whole of Europe. 
people started fleeing Syria. And many, many refugees fled to Europe. In 2017 alone, one million Syrian refugees fled to Germany. So we went to Germany. I traveled to Germany with a friend of mine, a, a colleague, a researcher, to find out how will the influx of refugees impact Europe and how will Europe respond to the influx of refugees. This is critical that we understand this. A lot of people said this is the Islamization of Europe. I said I don't believe that. This is now how my God works. My God is a God of redemption. If anything happens in this world, there must be a redemptive plan behind it. So we traveled to Germany. We interviewed, interviewed about 20 pastors, leaders, local government leaders, social workers. And we came to an understanding, without exception, what the leaders told us is that this is God's plan of redemption for the Middle East, and this is God's plan of redemption for Europe. This excited me, but it was only theory. We spoke with the Dr. Detlef Blöcher two weeks ago about what's happening in Germany five years later. And you know what he told us? He said, Mike, I want to confirm what we said five years ago. On record, we have more than 50,000 refugees that came to know Christ in Germany. But not only that happened. It created something in the hearts of German Christians that they want to get involved again. He said, Mike, the refugees coming from Syria into Germany was the blood infusion that we needed. Friends, whatever you see on television, whatever you hear on the news, remember three things. God is sovereign. God is still in control. God doesn't watch CNN and wonders what he should do. CNN is only reporting, or Fox News, whatever your, your sympathy is. They're only reporting what God already knows and what God will use. Secondly, if God is sovereign, what is His purpose? His purpose is redemption. This is His business. So there must be a redemptive plan behind the floods in KZN. There must be a redemptive plan behind the fires in Langa. There must be a redemptive plan for what is happening in Ukraine. And already Dr. Blieger said to us, you will not believe how the Ukrainian refugees flooding into Germany is bringing a revival in the church. It's amazing, friends. God is at work. Number one, I must be about my father's business. Number two, Jesus said in Luke 4 verse 43, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. Luke 4 verse 43, but he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns also, because that is why I was sent. That is why I was sent. Friends, the kingdom of God is good news. And sadly, again, I think sometimes as Christians we miss the point, because we go around judging people. We make it a message of bad news. We want to tell people that you will end up in hell if you keep on doing that. Instead of saying, if you turn around and transform your life, the good news is you will end up in heaven. Eternity with God Almighty and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Friends, this is a message of good news. Let us remember that. When we traveled to Lebanon a few months ago, we sat with the family 
the wife was, the, the, the lady that we met was the wife of an ISIS fighter. And she fled with her two children through the border from Syria into Lebanon. And she came to know Christ in a miraculous way. But two weeks after she came to Christ, she contracted COVID and she died. So they let the family in Syria know, the brother and the mother-in-law, that your sister has died. The two children are here. We're taking care of them, the church. But we need you to come over because we want to bury your sister that has now become a Christian. So the family came over. And immediately they were introduced to the church and the love of the church and the good news of the gospel. And the, the, the sister-in-law shared her testimony. And this was a testimony, a long testimony. But the only words I remember, she said to us, when I saw the love of Pastor Magdi Basta, I said to Pastor Magdi, if your Jesus is like you, I want to know him. Praise God. And I pray with all my heart that when people look at me, they will say to me, Mike, if your Jesus is like you, I want to know him. But I tell you, friends, I look at some Facebook posts, some posts on social media, and I want to say to those people, if your Jesus is like you, I don't want to know him. Because you just go around condemning people, judging people, replacing God in a sense and taking that responsibility on yourself. Friends, Jesus came to preach not the kingdom of God, but the good news of the kingdom of God. The good news that there's redemption, that there's life. In John 4 verse 4, he says, we must go through Samaria as well. Friends, what a wonderful, wonderful testimony that Jesus had an understanding that he must preach the good news. Thirdly, the point here now. Thirdly, in that same scripture, and I want you to really understand this this morning. In the same scripture, Luke 4 verse 43, Jesus says, I must go to the other towns also. Friends, this is critically important to understand that Jesus understood that his mission on earth, his location was here, there, and everywhere. And the last words recorded that Jesus spoke, and this is critically important to understand, we find in Acts 1 verse 8 to 9. Listen to this. Jesus, resurrected from the dead, appeared to his disciples for the last time, and he said to them, you will receive the Holy Spirit when it comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, the Bible says he was taken up. The final four words that Jesus spoke. Ends of the earth. Friends, as Christians, we have a mandate to fulfill God's last prayer and last wish. And that is to reach not, out, not only our city, not only our nation, but the ands that Jesus added in between. The Jerusalems and the Judeas and the Samarias and the ends of the earth. People often ask me, 
you know, why do you go to Syria? And I say, because I want, with all my heart, to reflect the Christ that died for me to the people of Syria. I want to go to the ends of the earth because there's nothing more in my life that gives me greater satisfaction to bring this message of good news to people who have no hope. Friends, we have a mandate, and that mandate extends beyond our comfort zones. We need to take this message to our Jerusalems, to our Cape Towns, to our South Africans, to our Longas. But this message can never stay here. Can you imagine? Jesus spoke these words in Acts 8, uh, in Acts 1, verse 8. You will be my witnesses here, there, everywhere, ends of the earth. And then in Acts 2, they receive the Holy Spirit. And what happens? They stay in Jerusalem and they witness. Acts 3, they stay in Jerusalem and they witness. Acts 4, Jerusalem. Acts 5, Jerusalem. 6, Jerusalem. 7, something happens. Stephen is martyred. In Acts 8, we read, that Herod started persecuting the church. And they were scattered. And as they were scattered, they preached the gospel. And it's because of Acts 8, as they were scattered, that we heard the gospel in South Africa. We are here today as a church because the people of Jerusalem didn't keep it to themselves. But friends, my warning to the church in South Africa is don't wait for persecution before you are scattered with the message of Christ. We have a mandate to go to the ends of the earth. Acts 4, uh, um, number 4. I must do the works of him that sent me. I must do the works of him that sent me. Friends, our works must reflect the character of God. This compassionate God, this lover of our souls, this God that calls himself the God of love. Our works must reflect the God that we serve. And I really, a warning here this morning. If I say, <laughs> I, something spoke to my heart this past week. I listened to a sermon. It was about in Afrikaans, the oor van Malchus. The ear of Malchus. You know what I'm talking about? That's Peter. When Jesus was arrested, Peter drew his sword and he chopped off the ear of the servant of the priest, of the high priest, and his name is actually recorded in Scripture, and his name is Malchus. Peter had some really good intentions there. He wanted to protect Jesus. It was a noble cause, but it was completely out of the character of Jesus. And Jesus actually rebuked Peter and said, put away your sword. This is not how we do it. I must take and drink of the cup that was prepared for me. Friends, Good intentions is just not good enough anymore. Noble causes are just not good enough anymore. We need to reflect the God of love that we serve. We need, yes, obviously we will talk about sin. But it's not what we say, it's how we say it. And I listen to some social media posts and I just think, that's not the way that Christ would have dressed this. The book that I've written, Anamorphic Christianity, talks about the poles of truth. Some of you will remember Israel Folau, the Australian rugby player, that put an article on Facebook, scripture, pure scripture, 
that spoke about drunkards and homosexuals and all of that kind of thing, and they will not enter the kingdom of God. And then obviously he lost his place in the Australian rugby team. He was persecuted. And people responded, Christians, by saying he was persecuted for saying the truth. He didn't speak the truth. He spoke truth, but not the full truth. Friends, because the full truth is, if you want to add to that, that these people will not see the kingdom of God, then you also need to say, we are all sinners. And we all fall short of the glory of God. That's also scripture. That Jesus came to seek and save the lost. That's also scripture. We need to find all the poles of truth and align them and then come to an understanding that when we talk about the truth of scripture, that we are not talking about sinners and we are saved. We are sinners. And God came to seek and save the lost. There's a certain reality, friends, that when we talk about God, we must reflect the character of God, the redemptive God, the God that hates sin, but came to save the sinner. And if we understand this and we talk about Vladimir Putin, or we talk about Bashar al-Assad, or we talk about Xi Jinping, or Agun Zada from the Taliban, then we need to talk about them from the viewpoint of God that came to save. I must do the work of him that sent me. And then finally this morning, I can see this son is really getting to you now. <laughs> finally, Jesus said, and this is really important, I must suffer many things. Luke 9 verse 22, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be slain and be raised on the third day. Friends, in this season that we live in, there's going to be a cost involved. As Christians, we need to understand this message of the good news of the kingdom of God being proclaimed to the ends of the earth will cost something. Ava Joy, what a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful name and witness. It's going to cost something. And I think as parents, you need to be prepared. As parents, I need to be prepared. As believers, we jointly need to be prepared. That if we want to see Christ glorified in this world, it's going to cost something. I love my former colleague, Brother Andrew. Maybe some of you have read his book, God Smuggler. And we would always talk about the whole issue of the cost of following Jesus. And amazingly, Brother Andrew, one day in his quiet time when he was still a younger man, the Lord spoke to him in the years that Yasser Arafat was still alive. And the Lord said to him, Andrew, I want you to go to Yasser Arafat in Palestine. He just got married to a young girl and became father again at an old age. And the Lord said to Andrew, I want you to take a children's Bible to Yasser Arafat and go and tell him that he must read from this book for his young son. Now, you can only imagine, if you get a word like that, what would your first response be? I had too much meat last night or something like that. You, you just, not Brother Andrew. The Lord speaks, he obeys. That's what it is. He knew, he knew the reality of going into Palestine to the palace of Yasser Arafat, standing there with the children's Bible and the reality of maybe being killed. But he said, I have no option. 
I want to do this. So we got an Arabic children's Bible, flew to Palestine. He had amazing contacts within the Israeli military and eventually ended up in the palace of Yasser Arafat. Knocked on the gate. Don't know what the gates look like. They opened up and said, can we help you? And he said, I need to speak to your leader. Why? Because I've got a book for him that I think he should read. So they let him in. And eventually, Brother Andrew and Yasser Arafat became friends. To such an extent that Yasser Arafat said to Brother Andrew, I want you to come to my Hamas University and teach the people about Jesus. And he said to, <laughs> to Yasser Arafat, you know what I'm going to say. And Yasser Arafat's response to him, I don't care what you say. I want the students to meet someone who's willing to die for what he believes in. Will he be able to say that of me this morning? Of you? That we value the cross of Jesus to such an extent that no cost is too high. That Lord, wherever and whenever and whatever, for the sake of those, Lord, who seek hope in a season of uncertainty, no price is too high. I think of the Christians that I've met over the past, how many years? Decades of serving the persecuted church. People who are willing to sacrifice whatever is the most dearest to them for the sake of the good news of the kingdom. Friends, I must be about my father's business. This is our mandate this morning. You have no other calling in life than the father's business. Redemption. We must proclaim this news as good news. God the Father sent His Son. That's good news. He died. That's good news. He raised again from the dead. That's even better news. And we have eternity with Jesus. I must do this beyond my own comfort zone. There's no option. Start thinking. Is Langa your comfort zone? Move beyond. Escape down your comfort zone. Move to Langa. And then come with us to Syria. We'll be happy to, ex to ex explain some of the realities there. And friends, I must count the cost in understanding this. And in doing this, I must reflect the character of my God. I really want to encourage you. I brought some of the new books with Anamorphic Christianity. It, it's aligning our faith. It's aligning truth. It's aligning salvation. Salvation is not just saying a prayer. The Bible says, take the 50 poles, align them, and come to a true understanding of the image of salvation. Come and have a look. It's over there, and we'll be happy to chat to you as well. Um, let's pray together. Father, we thank you this morning for a glorious opportunity, Lord, to meet together in such a way, on such an amazing day, in such an amazing city, with the freedom, Lord, of proclaiming Jesus on microphones on a sports field, Father, I don't think we really appreciate what we have this morning. But Lord, we thank you. We thank you. Making us, Lord, creating us that new excitement, Lord, that we have something that we need to share in the season that we live in. And that you will be glorified in Jesus' name.